Thank you. <laughs> okay, we're started. Yay. It's Wednesday night, and that means it's time for Kingdom 101. What's the rest of that? Supernatural, the School of Supernatural and Prophetic Ministry, sometimes known as the School of Prophetic and Supernatural Ministry. I named the program, but I never wrote it down in front of me. So, I'm Pastor Lanzine Letha Lee, and I am saying welcome tonight to everyone that is here. We're trying some different things with our sound. Our producers for the night are Alfred Walthall and Diana Cardaway. So if you have any communiques if you want, you can send text messages. Those of you that are working with us for the sound, send the messages to them. Also backing them up are Nicole Brown and Abrina Sullivan. And pretty soon we'll put Mother Helen to work too. <laughs> so let's pray. And then let's find out what tonight's conversation is going to be about. I have a couple of different things that are rolling around. And so let's see where, where we end up. Lord, I thank you. I really, really thank you for the 5 a.m. prayer calls. And I thank you so much, Holy Spirit, for the directions that you have given to this body. There is an air of excitement and anticipation that we have and it is completely due to the way that the spirit of the lord is moving this ministry to put us into place for you to do what you want to do this is about the dreams of god for his people and we are very excited to be the people that you are excited about Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the sense of urgency that is on the inside of us, but it's not panic, and it's not a frenetic, crazy thing. It's just a strong knowing that we have no more time to waste, and nor do we want to waste any more time. And if this is by any stretch of the imagination, the time when we as your people have begun to respond to your call to be precisely what you sent us here to be, then I'm so grateful that we're learning to say I'm all in and really be in. And so I thank you that tonight's conversation, Holy Spirit, is, is led by you that I never feel prepared. And so I, I can't say that that I'm like that, but I can say that I really want to hear from you. I am really, and I'm intentionally using that word really, becoming mindful that you are everything that we need in this earth. And so I submit to you today and I take that breath that I like to take to feel like I'm just sitting in you, sitting in Christ, sitting in Daddy. To hear what you have to say to us. And so the ears of the hearers that are in the room, the hearer, ears of the hearers that are on free conference, and the ears of those that are joining us by other forms of media, including Periscope and or Twitter, that tonight we will encounter you and we will not be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. 
And you can be seated here, and I welcome you again, those that have joined us on Periscope or Twitter or whatever form of media you are, whether it's the live version or you joined us by rebroadcast, however it happens to be. I trust God that his anointing and his presence and the meanings and the words that he uh, has for us tonight, that they will enter directly into your heart. Like you'll feel like his finger is just stretching all the way until it touches you. And so that you're not the same. That's what I want for me and for you. So we're going to have a few different aspects of conversation. This is Kingdom 101. I'm going to begin soon to get into the real heart of what that is and why we call it those elementary type of uh, understanding of the kingdom. Because all over this word, the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, the kingdom of God is present. And we understand more and more, sometimes it's by faith, really it is by faith before it's ever truly understood, that when Jesus of Nazareth came into the earth and, and grew up and, and began to fulfill everything, well, from the time of birth, that he fulfilled the words of the prophets from the very beginning, that all of this is connected to the words, God has a plan. And God's plan is the one that prevails in the earth regardless of the striving of men, of the uh, schemes of the demonic, and even the ineptitude sometimes that is displayed through the church. That there is always hope that God's plan shall prevail. And I'm so glad to be a part of that because I, I think I've spent much of my life majoring in ineptitude. So it's good to know that that's not going to be my final grade. I'm, I'm happy about that. All right. I'm going to share a couple of things from the book and I'm going to answer a question. Somebody is wondering, when is this book... Kingdom 101 going to be published? And the answer, the best answer I can give you right now is very soon. I am actually, you should never leave a book in the hands of a writer because we always find something to change. But I had to do, after um, my original editor disappeared, and I, I still haven't heard from her, and she's amazing, but I had to do some revisions that she had suggested, and then uh, of course, then I started having to do my own line. I did my own line edits. So I have another editor that uh, I need to, I, I guess I need to get in touch with just to get me finished. And I'm going for this book to be out by my birthday, which is in August. So that's what I would like to see is that it's in finished form, pub, I mean, actually published and in the hands of whoever wants to read it. Because I, I, no delay, no delay. And I really am going to push for that to be faster, not, not using that date as, okay, you know, I have time and meandering through. But to create that sense of urgency to get it done. Because I've got like three more in the hopper that I, as soon as I get this out of the way, I can really start to write. Um, again, right now I'm not writing, I'm editing. And that's not the same experience. So... Uh, but this is from that book, and I've talked about, since I heard it in my prayer, 
Our, we're going to look at a couple of different scriptures. I'm going to share some things and, and reflect back on last week. If you have questions, you'll feel free to answer them. Our, our primary questioner is not here tonight. She's traveling. But there are other people in here that can ask questions. So um, there we go. It says that the calling of God is a divine invitation from his spirit to ours. When we accept his invitation, we take our first steps into our God-ordained destiny. Can you imagine? You accept, I'm, I'm talking now, right? You accept God's invitation to have a relationship with him, and that's a part of your destiny. Relationship with God is connected to our destiny. New life begins with the gift of intimate relationship with our creator king. Relationship with God, again, I said it in love, because sometimes I should just read it and not talk. Relationship with God is part of our kingdom identification. We are spiritually transformed from death into life, ceasing to be strangers to God. You know, it's interesting because the people of this world will tell you all the things that they know about the Bible because they've read the Bible, they've seen this in the Bible, and they can quote the Bible just like demons can quote the Bible. But it doesn't mean that they have an intimate relationship with the writer. And so one of the things that, that happens is that um, we can become intimidated by somebody else's puffed up knowledge. But it's not. Knowledge is not relationship. Relationship is relationship. Knowledge is not intimacy except that it comes with relationship. You can have knowledge about the things of God, but not have relationship with God, which means that intimacy is missing, and therefore knowledge is more information than it is. It's not knowing. It's not the kiss. You can look at somebody, take a film, and you look and you see the characters, uh, they're supposed to be intimate, and you watch them kiss. And so it's like, okay, I saw that, but I don't know what that's like with either of those people because I'm not in relationship with them. I know that they kiss, I know this happens, but I don't know because I personally am not a part of that. I don't know what that person's hand feels like. I don't know this or that. People that crave and lust after what somebody else has, they base it in the beginning on something going on in their own head that they look at that individual and they cast him or her into the role of the one that's going to fulfill their fantasy. Fantasy is never from God. Never. People say, well, I, I, I fantasize about this, and I think that God is giving. No, God does not. Fantasy is this fantastical creation of your mind. But it doesn't have anything to do with God. When, when the Lord gives us a picture and it fuels our imagination. And people confuse imagination with, with fantasy. They're not the same. A dream and a fantasy are not the same. He's a dream come true or my fantasy has come to... See, fantasy is based on fantastic and it's based on this is how I want it and I put everything in place exactly the way that I imagined it to be, that I want it to be, that I designed it to be, that I created it to be, that um, I'm in control of every person's word, line, behavior, 
Which is why when people lust after someone and get them, then they hate them. You've seen that in the Bible. He raped his sister, fantasized about her, had all of these ideas about what it was going to be, which was lust. See, fantasy is always fueled by lust. But when he got her, she could, what he did to her did not fulfill his fantasy because, see, there was the part where she was supposed to respond back. But because he forcefully took from her, she did not give him any of the behavior that his fantasy expected her to give, and he despised her. But imagination is, is, from, whole, is from God when it's based upon his word, and he gives you a word or a picture, and he begins to design it. Where, where we get off sometimes into the fantastic instead of the, the image of God is that our own unfulfilled lust, wounds, pain, thoughts of vengeance come to the forefront and they begin to contaminate the picture. They distort the picture. And they create something that's different, which is why people tell you that they're disappointed in God not doing what they asked him to do, when what they asked him to do was different from what he does. And so he has to then be discounted in the minds of individuals because he could not possibly be good if he's not giving me what I want the way that I want it. So whoever you are that needed that, take it. All right, take it. And, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, I'm sure. But, but this is really important because we can hear from God improperly. I talked about this a little bit last week. We, in the kingdom, we're supernatural. We are not merely earth-bound people. We're no longer subject to the dominance of the earth curse system. When you come into the kingdom, when you accept that divine invitation, you are no longer simply subject to the curse, the earth cursed way of doing and thinking and being, which is where the sickness, the disease, the lack and so forth come. The relationship with him and then the knowing of him is what starts the cleansing process on the inside of us where faith starts to grow in us and we can begin to believe for what appears to be impossible and fantastical, which in truth is the reality of life in the kingdom. Are y'all with me so far? Here, it says here, there's, this is a change that we, we are spiritually transformed from death into life, ceasing to be strangers to God. This is a change that first takes place inside our spirits. Our newly born from above spirits are now able to communicate directly with God's spirit. But I will say to all of us that one of the problems that we have had is that our communicator has to be thoroughly cleansed by, his, by the blood and by the love of God because otherwise we still hear from a broken place, a wounded place. I have 
what are those things called? Cordless telephones all over my house. I have them in pretty much almost every room of the house. And they're all plugged into this one system. You know, it's, it's the primary telephone and all the other ones are connected to it. Now the landline part, the one that's plugged into the wall, the corded one, that typically will work okay. But every once in a while, I'll look at the phone and it'll say no line. Or it'll tell us phones are not charged. They're, they, they're plugged into the wall, they're in their little, whatever you call it, cradle, and they should be working perfectly. But sometimes they don't. And yet my corded phone, the speaker phone that I have on my desk in my office, that's probably, I think, one of the better phones that I have. Well, there are people that call me from cell phones. And depending on who their service is by or, or whatever it is, when we have a conversation, there's a slight distortion. Now, if I'm on my corded, my landline, I mean, uh, on my uh, cordless Sometimes the cordless doesn't come through very clearly, but the cord, the phone with the cord, old school phone with the cord, I get, I can hear people very, uh, you know, on a clear level. But if they're calling me, and they're out of their calling zone, or their battery is going low, or whatever the thing is, sometimes their conversation is not clear. I have certain people, it's like, it's frustrating when they call me because you just can't hear them. Their phone fades in and out. And it's like, what, did you, what do you have anyway? What kind of phone do you have? <laughs> you trying to solve all these things. My phone is plugged into the wall and it has a cord. So it's directly into the power source. Their phone is subject to the frequencies that are all in the air. That is the same type of, uh, I'm using it as an analogy for when you and I talk to God from the beginning and we're subject to all these little things until we get the understanding, no, I'm direct, I, I have a direct line to him. If you want to call it a spiritual umbilical, umbilical cord, he's not going to cut me off. He's my blood source. He's my life source. When I talk to the Lord, from this world's understanding, from the way that I have always expected things to be, whether I got it from the movies, a book, conversations other people had, things that I've observed, or my own idea, I you know, the perfect marriage, the perfect relationship, the most handsome man, or uh, the most beautiful shape, or the best type of house. All of these things I got from my natural observation in the beginning, unless I had some kind of spiritual encounter. But let's just say from a very natural thing. And so when you hear, um, you know, you have an expectation, it's cold season, it's hay fever season, you get to this, you get to this, you can expect this. If this happens, you know, this is this is what your bloodline says. This is this, this is this. And I talk to God about those things with that understanding as my filter for hearing him. I'm not 
connect it. I'm talking to him through a satanic brain process. Holy Spirit is in me as the cord to directly plug me in to the source, the kingdom, the king himself, so that my hearing can be clear. Many things people say they believe God for that they doubt God about are based upon a, 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 a dirty filter. I, I used to chase men. I was not good at it. <laughs> I was very devoted and committed. <laughs> okay. Because my filter just figured out this must be God, and so I'm going to help him. I'm going to, now if I pursued, and he, God actually said it to me, he said, you never spend the energy pursuing me the way you do those men. And I'm cleaning up what he actually said. He said, you have no idea what your relationship with me could be like. I'm learning now. Because I was gung-ho. I'm going after that. Yeah, because it's tangible. I can see it. Touch it. If you let me. You know, and uh, all that kind of thing. But I was on a frequency that was not God. It was the me, myself, and I you know, type of type of frequency. Are you are y'all catching what I'm saying? Yeah. So Holy Spirit is our connection. It's a divine he's a divine our divine connection. So this is he's the change that first takes place inside our spirits. We're newly born from above. And he is the reason that we're now able to communicate directly with God's spirit because he is God's spirit. We can talk to him and he hears us. And we can hear him. We truly become his sons becoming one with him just as Jesus prayed in John 17. So what am I saying? But when I don't make the, the, the time to stop the world, if you will, to hear him, then I'm hearing something different. And I had to learn, and this is what Kingdom 101 is, is that if you want to understand the way God talks, you've got to read what God says. Because in this, this is, uh, you know, in this word, whether, you know, you like the compact version or the real big ones, okay, just so you know, this one fits better in a purse than this one. But, but regardless that every word in here, whether it's a reflection of some, God's interaction with man Man's understanding of God, God's explanation to man about how off man is about who God is, God genuinely over and over again demonstrating the aspects of his character, his character, which does not change. We begin to understand that he himself is the interpreter of his own word. I am a pastor. I'm a teaching pastor. And I've said this before. I am an apostolic, prophetic teaching pastor. 
My office that I'm talking about is the office of the pastor. But I'm under an apostle, and we have a, pro a very prophetic ministry. And when you read in, in, in uh, what is it, 1 Corinthians 12, it's the, ap the apostles, the prophets, the teachers. So we have, and I say that I teach to a, 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 a ministry, in a ministry that has an evangelistic heart. So that's the fivefold. I'm not the only one. That's my description of me. It's not describing everyone else, but we all can put, we're apostolic, prophetic, uh, teaching, regardless of whatever the, the office that you stand in, but, but it's all under that apostolic anointing, that apostolic mantle, because we're an apostolic house. And so everything lines up with what was established, what the vision that God has that he has given, this ministry that he has given to his apostle. That is now we take it as ours, but we also understand we the vision that we catch is not the one that we create, which is where people get disappointed and they'll walk away or they'll mutter or talk or get sad and start, you know, feeling all the or get off track. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. They can't hear the word. You know, um, I've been there because their vision, their fantasy is not happening. And we don't understand why. I remember hearing uh, long ago, John Bevere, when he did that teaching, I, I think it was the bait of Satan. Um, if it was, it was whichever one, he, he does quite a few and they're also, I, I think they're excellent. But he was talking about being in a big church where he didn't feel like he was being fed anymore. After the pastor told him that the Spirit of God had said that the, the, the whole thing that he had been building and working on, and it's like, this is, this is going to be great, we're ready to go. But Holy Spirit told the pastor, that's not the direction I want this ministry to go. Well, what happened? He got derailed. Not the pastor, but John Bevere did. And he said, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know the man personally, so I can only paraphrase what I heard him say and what he told us in his teaching he couldn't hear anymore the joy wasn't there he started to get it's like I you know um, nah, uh, in the world they would say disenchanted and that's an interesting word because that means to me that there is an enchantment well enchantments never come from God that's sourcing witchcraft and rebellion Until the Spirit of God told him, you need to repent because you're in sin. You don't have any joy. You can't hear anything because you're walking in judgment. You're walking in rebellion. You're walking in unforgiveness. You're, so you're, you're the person that is distorted because your picture of how this ministry should run has just been disrupted by a direct communication from heaven that you didn't get the memo. The memo didn't come to you. It came to the one that God gave the vision to. Your vision is supposed to connect to it, not try to change it. And this is kingdom, right? People try to change the culture. They do it in churches. They do it in, in, in office, uh, corporate structures. They even do it in families. They try to change the culture. If you've ever had anybody come to your house, and you have, the, you have the way that you run your house, and they come in and try to do the things in your house the way they do them in their own house. 
It's like, but this is not your kingdom. And you don't change the culture here. You understand? This is what God is telling us. This is my kingdom. I set up the culture. I am the one that decided the sickness and disease is not your destiny. So for you, and I'm the one that decided that unforgiveness and bitterness and all of the nesses and stuff, you know, I'm the one that decided that sadness and misery are not of my kingdom. Doubt, unbelief. I set up my kingdom culture and it's built around faith in me and who I am and what I've said that I would do and that I am not a liar and that I have a plan and a dream and a purpose for your life to help you to overcome everything that tries to overcome you and that no weapons formed against you can prosper and when you choose to say what I say and believe what I say then you will see the power of my kingdom released in the impossible places and you'll find that there's much that you have not done that you can do because even time is subject to me now that's his kingdom and so anytime we catch ourselves going, well, you don't understand, or I still feel this, or I'm sick, or I'm this, or I'm this, or I'm this, I'm not denying that those are the things that are happening. I'm broke, I'm, 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 I can't do, I can't, uh, uh, I don't see, I just, you know, you're not speaking the truth. You're speaking the world. You're not speaking, because the only truth is in the kingdom. Because there's only one spirit of truth and that he is in the keys of the kingdom of God. It's God himself. He is, you know, Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. There is no lying, no shadow, no turning, no doubt, no, no, uh, no hesitation. And God never does anything wrong. Now that by itself. We'll have people challenging. What do you, do you see the condition of this world? Yes, I do. But I choose to look at it from his perspective. And I keep seeing that my mistake and my hesitation and the delays in my life have always stemmed from me looking at things from the world's perspective, not from heaven. Now, when I was in the world and part of the world and in being, having my... Uh, tail kicked by the world on a regular basis that made sense because I was subject to it but on that lovely day in January in Los Angeles California in the year that I remember that changed I didn't know it had changed but the beautiful thing about the spirit of God is that he will keep taking us on this journey with him so that we can find out just how changed it is. And it really, some of it has to do with your degree of interest. Because he is the most fabulous person to know. It says, while he was in the world, Jesus manifested the name of the Father to his followers, revealing God's true nature and love for his children. His message was not just um, for, uh, for the apostles and disciples of that day, but for all of us in our own time. 
and disciples were the, the students. I'm a disciple means you're a student. I'm learning. I'm a learned one. I'm learning. But no one graduates without doing the homework and fulfilling the assignments. You just stay. I'm not a, you know, uh, I'm not progressing. It's because I'm not doing the work. It's not because God's not doing the work. Are there any questions before I go on? We're going to look at something out of the Passion Translation. Uh, yeah. Okay. We're going to look at something out of the Passion Translation in a minute, but let me let me keep going for a minute. Okay, so John 17, 20 in the Amplified says, Neither for these alone do I pray. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever come to believe in, trust in, cling to, rely on me through their word and teaching. It's John 17, 20, Amplified. So our souls, our mind, will, and emotions have to be trained to think and feel differently. We have to learn the vocabulary and ways of the kingdom, which is why our Bibles, the kingdom constitution, become the most important set of books that we will ever own. John 17, 26, Amplified, says, I have made your name known to them and revealed your character and your very self, and I will continue to make you known that the love which you have bestowed upon me may be in them, felt in their hearts, and that I myself may be in them. That's John 17, 26, Amplified. Classic. So we've lived in this earth for years, believing that we have to be subject to the sicknesses, diseases, and demonic dictates that are common plagues to mankind. You have lived pretty much your entire life, whether you're 10, 20, hundred, whatever, any somewhere in between or below or above. But whatever the age, most people, when you come into this earth, you are educated in the ways of the demonic. You were told, I was talking to someone the other day and he was telling me that uh, his son in the military was telling, uh, was sharing about how by the time they reach the age of 40, they're not able to do uh, the things that they have to do, run with the packs and do this and do that and the other, that, that their legs start to give out and that this happens and this happens. And he said, so, you know, you have to be careful about that. I said, no. I said, you didn't, did you hear what they were saying? And I'm paraphrasing this conversation. What your son just told you is that man just programmed them to have an expectation that by the time they reach 40, these are the things that are going to start failing. But God didn't say it. God didn't say it. Well, you know, we have these bodies and we live. I get it. Trust me. I get it. But I also have an understanding that we are supernatural. And that here we are in the 21st century. But the Bible tells us about a man named Caleb that in his 80s led the charge to take his land. And the young men were running behind him. So I guess he didn't get the memo. In fact, he was in his 40s when he got the dream. So this world is predis uh, predisposed to condition you to fail. Your heart's going to fail. Your mind's going to fail. Your body's going to fail. 
The stocks are going to fail. Family statistically fail. Everything's a fail. Industry says, statistically speaking, entrepreneurially speaking, this percentage of entrepreneurs typically fail. Well, who wins? Well, we never studied that. Because we are, because this is what the world says, because we're used to failing. We, we major in failing. There's a small percentage that actually make it. And the rest of us work for them. Or dream. Or judge, criticize, find fault with, look for the... And prophesy their failure. Yeah, well, they got it now. But is it going to last? Have you ever heard anybody talk like that? Yes. What they're telling you is we're all crabs in the pot and nobody's getting out. You see? But God never said it. God, I cannot find anywhere in this Bible, and I have not looked, but I don't think it's there, that by the time you get 40, you better expect to fall. Better expect to die. Expect that your best years are behind you. I don't see that. If some woman that was near 100 years old could get pregnant, which God knows I'm not believing for at all, but the fact that she could tells me that mayhap, in a time when they were not filled with Holy Spirit, that it is quite possible that there are supernatural powers in that realm of heaven that will change things in this earth and can turn back the clocks internally, physically. And so we are without excuse because we say, well, you don't understand that the, the hospital said this or the doctor said this or the test results came back and they just say my ticker's just not going to make it. Well, then get another one. Well, I was on the line, the list for the transplants, but, you know, I, I, they, uh, no, I didn't say anything about get on the list. I said get another one. And I had this conversation with somebody, a few people today, but from what I've understood, and I'm going to have to ask, that warehouse in heaven that has all the body parts is probably one of the most underutilized places, rooms. Very little, I think, has shipped out. I think it's all packaged. I've, I've heard three or four people that at different times that had these, this particular vision. And I, I want to see, by the way, I want to see this. But I want to do more than see. I'm like, it's time to go in there and get what we need. Oh, that's just crazy. No. Actually, that's probably about the sanest thing I've said. Because it's there. Well, how do you know it's there? Because I understand certain things about the way God works. And it just makes sense that any manufacturer worth their salt would always have original replacement parts. Right? Genuine HP inkjet cartridges. <laughs> and you put in a, 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 a light fixture model, and what does your genuine HP printer tell you? We're sorry, that is not a genuine HP part. 
Well, that's what your body tells you when you get the kneecaps or the eye, the, the eye lenses like I've got or whatever it is. This is not a genuine heaven-made part. Maybe you'd like to send off to the manufacturer to get the real dealio. This is what he was telling us in the call this morning. <laughs> My people, pshaw, pshaw. That's another way of saying I don't believe. <laughs> Alfred, there are, there's different hearts. There's a heart with a young man's beating heart. It has, and there's a package up there. It's a whole file cabinet or uh, storage cabinet. And it says Alfred James Walthall born mm -hmm, in, you know, and, and it's you. And there's all these parts. <laughs> That's so funny. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, I never asked for them. Well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? All of these abilities and opportunities that I missed out on. Why? And I'm asking myself this. Why have you not been asked? Or asking and sticking with it the way he wants to because... It's like, can we get to that page in my book where I finally get it? <laughs> and I'm not even talking about manifestations. I mean, like, ding! Oh! The light just came on. Well, if you got a broken part, if you have a wobbly part, if you got a shaking part, <laughs> if you've got a balding part, <laughs> if you've got a wrinkly part, Currently, why can't we? I mean, if the earth can manufacture this stuff and take people in and turn them into Stepford. Yeah. You think man is superior to God? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we were raised on hearing Oscar say, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. And we all watched Steve, the $6 million man. And then Jamie with smaller parts, the bionic woman. And of course the earth is moving towards that. But heaven doesn't need to do all that. There's no bionics in heaven. It's simply the real original pieces. The more we talk about it, the more it becomes possible. You see, in the kingdom, we talk about the po impossible, naturally. We begin to, like Jesus did, I'll come and heal him. I'll come and raise him from the dead. I'll just come and do, uh, dude, he's dead. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go wake him up. Yeah. The girl is dead. Yeah, I'll wake her up. He said, there's just sleep. I, I have the words that can penetrate the realm that they're sleeping in and wake them up. The more we talk about it to one another and around others, the more room we make in this atmosphere. And then there's the moment, because it's, it's faith coming by hearing, because it's what God says. And then the more that we, as we do that, there comes this moment when I, as I'm talking about it, why? Because I'm after my eyes. I personally don't like looking at the little silver disc. 
They don't do everything that, that God created them to do because God didn't create things. So the lenses that man gave me, thank God for them. I do. Because what I had before wasn't working. And I had no faith, <laughs> no understanding at the time that I was diagnosed with all this stuff. I was just despondent and frustrated. And I think there was a few days where I could actually see. And I was like excited. I could see. I could see. But then something would happen and, and it, it was just lost, you know. Because I didn't have the grasp on it. I didn't have the interest in investigating what he could do for me. See, I, 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 you know, what you see here is somebody that's just been really dumb. He finds me really interesting. And that's rare. There's somebody that's so into me and you. That he wants to know your thoughts. And he wants to share his thoughts with you. And he will tell you about himself. And in the process, you learn about you. The way he sees you. Instead of the way you see yourself. And the more he talks, the more the way we see him changes to who he really is. Instead of who we thought he was. That was based on somebody that can't stand him telling us what he was like. Yes, Raina, I'm thinking of that movie. They're talking about him. You see, Satan can't stand him. So why would he ever say anything good about him? And your first ideas about God came from the devil. First thought, there is none. If that doesn't work, you're going, well, based upon these things, I don't think this all just came from a big hiccup or vomit of the, of the galaxy, so there's got to be something out there. Well, maybe there is, but, you know, he's, he's too lofty for you. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because I'm just a little mealy nothing. And then somebody like Oral Roberts came along back in, you know, or even further back, I guess, Smith Wigglesworth and all these teachers, even further back, the apostles and, you know, and, and, and even further back, I mean, you just go all the way back to, to Genesis. And Adam knew, uh, even after, after the fall and, and the, uh, the eviction, he still had a craving for God. You know, you don't miss God's presence like that and not desire to get back to him. God answered Adam, I will get you back. Not I will retaliate. I will not leave you like this. I got a plan. Before you were even created, you're not going to be eternally separated from me. I'll get you back. No questions? Nothing? You got something? Oh, okay, no. All right, let me read out of Hebrews chapter 12. 
Verse 1, it says, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. It says, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. Isn't that beautiful? That's the cloud of witnesses. We have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go. Let me, let me quote it from the King James first, okay? In the King James, we're used to it. He says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of, our, of, of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now that's the way the King James translates it. But the Passion Translation, I, I heard Raina read this to me as we were driving this, uh, coming in, and I'm like, okay, i just fallen in love. It says, as for us, we have, and because, let me say that, you read through chapter 11 first, and I still, to this day, that's one of the best passages of scripture to read out loud. If you're feeling low and, and so forth, read it out loud, hear it. I mean, because by the end, you should be shouting and screaming because it's just so powerful. But he says that all that faith that they had, and they still didn't obtain the promise that was for us. And so we have all of these great witnesses, all those people who are the witnesses, who are part of the cloud of witnesses, all those people you read about in Hebrews chapter 11. Jephthah and Sarah and Abraham and, and, and uh, Abel and all of these people that exhibited this great faith and yet didn't obtain the promise are part of that cloud of witnesses, even Moses, that are part of that cloud of witnesses that are right now watching and surrounding us and the prayers and the things, the conversations that they have with God and the times that they themselves kept reiterating, this is what he promised, this is what he promised. Isaiah Amos, this is what he promised. This is what he said. This is what he said. This is what he said. And those words are still in the earth to be fulfilled because God said, my words do not return to me unfulfilled. But sometimes it takes one of us to latch on to that word so that he can fulfill it in our lives. And there it goes. So we must... <laughs> In King James, he said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset. And people go, oh, yeah, okay. But here he says, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. That right there is a conversation all by itself. Let go of every wound that has pierced us. I mean, that's, that's offense, which is a big, big detractor. People get offended offended all the time and then here's the power you say to them you're offended and they get offended Diana you're offended no I'm not how dare you well you are now if you weren't a few minutes ago you are now I am not offended and I would appreciate it if you would stop Putting words in my mouth. I think I was quoting you, Alfred. People, we've all been guilty. I've been guilty of that. We, being offended. 
well, you're not offended. Yeah, no, I'm not. Or you, you, are, you sound offended to me. Well, you don't know me. <laughs> no, but I know offense when it, when it shows up because it has a special stench and you stink right now. <laughs> and that's how we win friends and influence people. <laughs> but it's true. And it's a good way to push me. I'm not going back to that house, that restaurant, that church, that store. Why? Because the way they treat me. But you're not offended. No, I just need to be respected. I'm not offended. I was disrespected. And the difference is? Yeah, you were disrespected. That's one category. But what you're saying about it is coming from offense. And then they leave you in the dirt, and you have to find another way home. You should have drove. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, every wound that has pierced us, we have to let go. That's what this says. So we have to let go of every wound that has pierced us. That means touched your nerve, hit a spot, got through, change your facial expression. Change your attitude from good to not. Let it go. That's not just a song from whatever that movie was in Disney. <laughs> Frozen. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. No. I may need this. <laughs> like a pack rat. I'm going to keep these offenses. I can need. They may come in handy. You never know when you're going to need it. Never. You're right. <laughs> you never need it. Ever. Okay, but okay, that's a whole sermon by itself. But he says, let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin that we so easily fall into. Now, do you know this? The wound that has pierced us leads us to the sin that we so easily fall into. Because if you fall into a fence over and over again, some people, they, they, they use this expression. I'm, I'm famous among people that I'm close to for saying this. They go, well, I just feel like, you know, they're talking about some coworker or whatever. You just have to walk on eggshells around that people. I said, I would not do that. I said, what you do is you walk on the eggshells and crush them and sweep them up and throw them away because they don't belong there. When you use an egg, what do you do with the shell? Who is light enough on the whole planet to step on an eggshell and not crush it. No human. So what you just told me is that they have just discarded their trash for you to walk on. Don't do it. Because if you do, you're feeding the spirit that is destroying them. I did not tell you to get into a confrontation with that person because an offended soul will beat you down if they can that's a dangerous individual. The most dangerous offended soul or the most offended soul around is named Satan. He is highly offended because God did not do anything the way he wanted him to do it. And sometimes people act like they're his children. So if you're offended, the devil's in the details. 
real. <laughs> That's the only time I would use that expression because the devil's all up in that. Mm, changing the flavor. Yes, he is. Okay. I'm not from the South, but it just felt like I should say it that way. So he says, if you will, we have to let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon uh, race with passion and determination. And see, that's the whole thing. You got to run it with passion and determination. Passion, because that's my commitment and determination. I'm not going to quit and it's going to get tough for a minute. For the path has already been has been already marked out before us. He's got that's the scripture. This is the way for you to go. Run, walk into this. Go this way. We look away from the natural realm. This is verse two, and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. And that word there was joy. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls. Oppose their own souls. This is a scarcity, lack mentality. You oppose. What does 3 John 2 say? My beloved, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So your prosperous soul eliminates a lack or scarcity mentality or fear. And it prospers because it's received love. But if we reject the ways of the king and decide that the way that we want it done is the better way, and if he doesn't do it our way, then we don't trust him or want anything to do with him, you're opposing your own soul salvation. Your own soul, your mind, your will, and emotion is all opposed to the will of God, which is never bad. We think he's going to take away our favorite foods, cars, um, this, 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 love interest, uh, you know, whatever it happens to be. If, if, I, if I let God get involved in it, it's going to change and it's going to be bad. Well, who says that? The devil does. If I let God get involved in any of my stuff, he's going to change and it's going to be bad. Well, the truth is, if you let God into any of your stuff and he changes it, it's going to be good. It's bad for the devil, but it's good for you. That's what Jesus said. Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. For the devil, that's bad news. For you and me, that's not. But if you work for the devil, you regularly trade with the devil, then anything that Jesus does is opposing your plan with the devil but you'll never overthrow Jesus they tried it it didn't end well for them and it won't Okay. so he said consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls that's verse 3 the passion translation Hebrews chapter 12 I'm answering somebody's question so that you won't become worn down and cave in 
under life's pressures because that's what happens. People go, I'm just so tired, I'm just so tired. You're fighting. And you're losing the battle because you're fighting the wrong foe. You're treating God like the enemy and you're siding with the adversary who is not going to win. God never sleeps, never slumbers, and never tires. All right? Is this helping you? He says, well, i got one person, I'll talk to you. So after all, you have not yet reached the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin. And, you, and have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? He said, my child, don't, es under my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God. There is value in his training and his discipline. And don't get depressed when he has to correct you. <laughs> I think that's so funny. You're like, oh, God just took me to the woodshed. No, he didn't. <laughs> For the Lord's training of your life is the, he took you to the training room and it looked like a woodshed to you. <laughs> like, oh, my God, he's going to train me. But the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Isn't that beautiful? He calls it drawing you near. You think it's a rejection. Why would you think that God is rejecting you? Because you've been trained to think that God is rejecting you. It tells me that our thinking is wrong in those places. We get mad at God, but we say we're not. We get offended by what God does not do or what others don't do in the name of God that we thought that they should. And we delay our victory in process. So here's what I said. Um, what our king expects. Well, let me go before I read that. We have lived in this earth for years, believing that we have to be subject to the sicknesses, diseases, and demonic dictates that are common plagues to mankind. But through this new kingdom citizenship, new to us, our bodies are allowed to experience the authoritative power and benefits of our spiritual transformation, which is further in Hebrews chapter 12. I, I think I'll get there. As disciples or disciplined students, disciplined ones, kings, priests, and ambassadors of heaven's kingdom in the earth, we follow Christ's example, learning how to do the same things as our king. We take on the same mind of faith and obedience to God that he demonstrated. Without exception, the works of Jesus Christ when he walked on the earth shows us that the will of the Father is always for his children to be healed. Always the will of the Father for his children to be healed, restored, delivered, prospered, or provided for, and prospered. And through his children, God wants to take care of the rest of the world. He wants to do it. He wants to do it for you, for me, for all of us. And he wants to do it for even the people that tick you off. Okay. 
We have the opportunity to live out the divine experience of doing what Jesus did. As the sozoed, saved, delivered, protected, healed, preserved, made whole, we are the redeemed of the Lord, paid for with the blood of Jesus. We have a testimony given by that same blood which speaks of our new identity. Our lives are no longer a question of what would Jesus do. No offense intended to proponents of WWJD, what would Jesus do? But really, our lives are meant to answer the question through demonstrated authoritative faith power in action, through spiritual fellowship with Holy Spirit, the one that leads and guides us. We simply ask the question, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? So it's not what would Jesus do, it's Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And then he teaches us how to obediently do the will of the king because Holy Spirit only wants to do what the Father wants to do. And Jesus only wants to do what the Father wants to do. So I only want to do what the Father wants to do. That's the mind of Christ. Okay. Better still, it is Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit within doing the work through us. And just like Jesus, we are expected to learn how to exercise kingdom authority and power to speak to sickness, disease, poverty, lack, and the atmosphere with the expectation that all hindrances will give way to the kingdom. We speak to create within ourselves the expectation that our words carry the power of the king. And so we see, I mean, in the beginning, we may be like all those old Godzilla movies. There was Godzilla, you know, the, the, I, I really like these old things like that. Those Japanese movies with the big, ah, you know, Godzilla screeching. But then there was baby Godzilla. And, you know, Godzilla could throw out, you know, and this big gust of fire would come out of the sound, right? But baby Godzilla would go, eh, eh, and just this little circle, nothing would come out. And that's what we're like. It's like, And nothing. But you keep watching. Now, God is not Godzilla, but you know, I like baby Godzilla. He used to crack me up. I watched those old, old movies. I'm not old enough to have been in there, the originals, but but we would watch these. Where I lived, when I grew up in Southern California, they had these channels that just, they show, and I, even when I went to hang out in New York, there are certain TV channels, even before TV Land and all that that they just show these, it's like, where do you find these things? I think they just go through the alphabet. And every film that was ever made, it gets airtime, you know, at one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning before those bad commercials, you know, for those places come. And, but I would watch these Godzilla films. And this little baby, chunky little, whatever Godzilla was, you know, I don't even know. But um, he couldn't do what he saw his father do. And I didn't watch the whole series, but I'm, I, I, I would imagine in the natural process of things. And here's the other thing about baby Godzilla. Boy, when he got in trouble, his dad showed up. Those little Japanese airplanes would come out there and start coming after them. And that little Godzilla baby would just throw a fit. And I'm here to tell you, his papa was on the scene. Now, actually, I don't know. And I guess it's not relevant. Was Godzilla the hero of those movies, or was he actually a villain? 
Because I liked him. So, so I don't know. I honestly don't know was I supposed to not like him. They shouldn't have made him so funny. And it was a puppet too, so you could sometimes see some messed up stuff. But he was kind of like the hero. It was when you had the other ones. You know, there were, there was a anyway. Never mind. But there's a whole thing going on with that. There were some other preachers that would show up, and Godzilla kind of like knock them out of the air. But my point with this was that baby Godzilla would cry, and Daddy was there. Psalm 18 tells you, I cried to the Lord. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, seeking the Lord, and I cried out to Him, and God came down. Let me tell you. He said smoke came from his nostrils and he flew on the wind and he reached down and he delivered me because he delighted in me. Now, if the Japanese could figure that out with a little baby critter that when you cry, your daddy comes or your mama comes or somebody that is for you will show up to your, I mean, and baby Godzilla had faith in the big one. What is our problem? You see, he had to eventually, I'm sure, grow up and become like his dad. So that those little practice rings where he wasn't really doing anything, maybe a little bit of smoke or something, but eventually, I'm sure, with practice, power started to come out because it would have to. You see toddlers learning how to walk. And in the beginning, not so cool, but they keep practicing, and here we are today. The Bible shows us that those 12 that walked with Jesus were really something. And he had to even ask questions like, have I been with you so long and you, I, I, we're still dealing with this? Because Jesus, remember, taught the original Kingdom 101 and is still teaching Kingdom 101. They didn't look like the best, prom most promising class. You know? I mean, can we call fire down from heaven? Um, we, we're still fussing over who gets to be, who's who, jockeying for position because their insecurities were warring against each other. You got one guy that just decided he's going to betray him altogether. Why? Because he was offended and Jesus never did the stuff that he wanted him to do. His name is Judas Iscariot. Jesus didn't want Judas to be the betrayer, but G Judas chose that and sold him out for the price of a slave. Or whatever it was, you know, but 30 pieces of silver. Okay, so what am I saying? It may be fun to watch it in a movie, but it's not fun to live that way. No faith in your father? No faith in the one that created us and that we... How then can you trust that you're saved if you can't trust him to deliver you or keep his word? What's your guarantee? Are you sure? I'm not questioning your salvation. I'm questioning your sanity. <laughs> Galatians 3 says, Are you so foolish? Have you lost your mind? Having begun in the spirit? Are you now going to be made perfect in the flesh that so you started out being saved and now you think you got it? Are you saved? Because that's crazy. How crazy is it to say I belong to God but I don't trust him? How crazy is it that when somebody talks about the vistas of heaven or like my daughter was sharing last week about her encounters and stuff and the thing that the, 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 the continuing thread was that God is saying I'm really real. 
I'm bringing you to a place that people talk about, but I'm showing you that it's real. I've taken you to the libraries, more than one, and I've shown you, and I, I saw this when Dr. Baker was speaking, or it was either on this morning's call, no, yesterday's prayer call possibly, but something that she said, and I caught a glimpse, and it happened to me last Friday too, but something that the Spirit of God was saying, and suddenly I just saw, just for that fleeting moment, this long, long, long call, and I, I've seen it in movies, but, it, it, but it's not from a movie. And that's what Jesus was telling us through Arena. Man didn't create this stuff. Anything that you're looking at that you're thinking, wow, that, you know, this amazing ability to see all these rooms at one time. You look in a mirror and you see door after door after door after door and it looks like this long hallway. And I've seen something like that, but I caught a glimpse of it and I, I saw it differently. I, I saw myself seeing it from above instead of from beneath. And I think too often you're still looking for help beneath instead of above. And what I mean by that is that you're still looking up to heaven to rescue you instead of looking from heaven to understand that you're rescued. I've talked to, uh, to the congregation on a time or two about how dramatic I could be and I used to go outside and look up at the sky and wonder where God was. But the Bible tells me he's in me. And even though heaven is, is you can, I mean, there's some awesome stuff that you can see in NASA sites and stuff. And you can see the way the formula, um, you know, some of the, 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 it looks like a palace in the sky in, in the Milky Way and, uh, or in the, uh, the atmosphere. And there are pictures at the Hubble Space Telescope has captured. And if you ever just have some time, go on Hubble Space uh, Telescope site, the NASA site, and just take a look at, at some of the, the images that they've caught in deep space. And it looks like they, they might have seen something. I was, we were driving here tonight, and I looked up in the sky, and I, 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 I talked about quantum physics a couple of weeks ago, and about uh, how you can look at something, and all of a sudden it collapses. And, and because you saw it, it changes. It, it well, it's one thing. It stays the same, but but it, it stays the same. But but uh, how do I say this? But it ceases to be more than what you saw in that moment. But you can look again and see something else. I saw this portal in this in the clouds. It was awesome. I was like, oh my god, that's a portal. The moment I said it picture started to change. Three times I looked and it had changed. First, when I saw it, it was a, it was up like this, over here and down, and it was simply a doorway. As soon as I said it, I looked and the thing started to collapse. The clouds just started to shift. I, and then the third time I looked, the whole image had changed. But it doesn't matter because I got the picture. It's like it changed because I saw it and I took it. Do you understand what I'm saying? As soon as I saw it, it's like the only one in the store. And you see it. And the row has all these other things there, right? But you see it. And so you pick it up. And that changes the look of the display. It doesn't look like it did. Because you saw something and you took it. I saw it and I took it and the sky changed. What do I believe? I personally.
believe he gave me another entrance into an understanding. It's not just, oh, it was an image in the sky and it was beautiful and it was this, that, and the other. And we've heard our apostle talk this way and I talk this way too. That, listen, it is not just so that we can go brag or write a book. That's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is the function of the king. Lord, now that I've seen this, I want to go, I want to come in. I want to come into that. What is this revelation of you that I need so that I will walk with you in a belief that I currently don't have? I don't have enough faith in God to get done everything he wants done because too often I've done what the Bible tells us not to do. I've held on to the offense. Well, they didn't say offense there. He said, lay, lay aside the wounds that pierce your soul. But they it turned into sin, usually of offense or unforgiveness or judgment or criticism or temper tantrums or um, acting like King Saul, saying, I know that this is how you said to obey the Lord, but I did obey God. I just didn't obey the way you said to, but I still obeyed because I created my own terms for what obedience was. And I did what was right in my eyes, and that's obedience to God, isn't it? No. <laughs> but I personally have lived much of my life that way. And I will share with you just this little snippet that on Sunday when I asked the apostle, I said, I want my glasses. And her finger grew up from the pulpit. I don't know if you saw it. And it moved all the way across the room and went right into my chest. Maybe you didn't see that, but I did. <laughs> I felt it. And I heard it. And I, I, I take it. I took it. I want it. Because he was saying to me very clearly, I am God and I will not change. But if you want what I've got, you're going to have to change. And so I've learned this week how rebellious and ridiculous I can be. I've had so many fears exposed in my face. Yeah, that's, that's how you look. It's, it's like this. All the time you're walking along, you go shopping. I used to tell people, don't ever take a picture of me. If you do, don't show it to me. Because I have this outfit on and I'm just thinking, okay, okay. And then somebody shows me a picture. And I say, who is that? And they say, that's you. And I say, that's not me. They go, oh, yeah, that's you. It's like, that's not the me I saw. <laughs> but this is you the camera saw. I say, well, then if you, don't, if, you, if you love me as you claim to, please stop showing me these pictures because I keep throwing these clothes away. <laughs> it wasn't me. It's the clothes that I thought looked so good in my eyes. But when I saw from... A different perspective, not from my own eyes, but from the way it really was. God shows you the way he sees you, and it's beautiful, wonderful, fabulous, and this has to go in order for you to manifest what I see. These are the ads that I didn't put, the add-ons to your life that I didn't put, I never assigned to you. And these have to go. The offenses, the anger, the excess weight, um, the, the, the habits that lead to it, the thinking processes and the, the, the view, points of view that are not mine. The, the ways of the world that you still try to masquerade as kingdom. They're not kingdom and so it's going to distort. You won't be entering into the kingdom because that stuff cannot come in. God does not show us um, 
how how we really look to dis, uh, to uh, discourage us, but to get us to do what I've, I've done naturally, throw away those clothes that don't fit into your destiny. Don't be clothed with unrighteousness. Don't be clothed in jealousy. Don't be clothed in judgments. Don't be clothed in unforgiveness. Don't be clothed in offenses. Don't be clothed in a scarcity, a poverty mindset. Don't wear the drabbery, uh, the drab clothing, and uh, which is the, the, the mind and the, the, the actions of a demonic spirit. Don't do it. Don't walk around clothed in fear because of what happened to you in the past. So you continue to sin by holding on to the beliefs of the satanic and not allowing the spirit of God, the spirit of grace to come in and heal, cleanse, receive the forgiveness, and then the grace, which is the power to overcome. And kill the thing, destroy, I should say, destroy the effects and the connections that you've ever had with this low-life demon that has been running your life when you were the king and you're the one that has authority over it. Questions? No excuses. I think it's powerful. As they would say, I think it's powerful. So I'll just keep reading and then we'll be done. <laughs> he says, don't get depressed. My child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training. For he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? <laughs> I haven't. We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves that we are strangers and not sons. Is it possible to not endure his correction? Absolutely. You just don't hear him. You choose not to hear. You choose not to yield. Um, you know, he says, and isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they correct, corrected and disciplined us? And so many people will bring up the history of my dad was absentee. He was this, he was this, he was this. You're missing the point and you know it. Because somewhere in your heart, if that was the truth, you wished for, desired to have had a dad that would have done those things. So you know it's there. You know it's there. You see, it's like, we're, we're without excuse, but we use excuses not to hear. And they don't work. Because an excuse is quite simply shown for what it is. Just as we recognize, if somebody tells you a lie, you don't get a picture. And when somebody uses an excuse, you don't get a picture of the truth. You see the excuse. I mentioned years ago, I, when I had an assignment working in um, the Oakland Police Department, and I, I worked in the uh, crime analysis department. Go figure. And um, I was a temp. And when I was working up there, my job, one of my jobs was to input 
the police reports. So the reports that they write, they have to be computerized. And so I was part of a, a group of pe uh, people that would just type all day, I mean, stacks and stacks of reports. And you just put in the name, the, the color, the this, the this, the this, the this, and what the crime was, if it was a 245 or it was a 187 or whatever it was. You put those codes in, um, vehicle codes, um, whatever, and then you do the description. Then you type in the, what they called the, um, it was the, well, I'm, I'm going to say commentary, but it was the actual interview, the witness statement. And a lot of times we've learned that a witness is not somebody that we think witnessing is just going out telling people about Jesus, but everybody else knows that a witness is one that reports what they saw. And so a witness statement, in a lot of these cases, they would be, I was asleep, I didn't see anything, I didn't hear anything. You were sitting on a park bench. Yeah, but I was asleep and I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. Television was... Because people did not want to get involved. But then somebody would say, well, this is what happened. And then you read the story. And as I'm typing the story, it began over time. Not the first day. But over time, it just started going, that's a lie. And the lie, the pattern of the lie would show up on the paper. The police officer wrote down what the witness said. But the typing of it, it, it just... The Spirit of God would just show... Because see... If it were the truth, there would be a ring of authenticity. And it would create the picture. Husbands that were picked up for soliciting a prostitute, only, you know, it was a sting or whatever it was, and they would tell all these lies. Oh, honey, I got, um, you know, and the wife makes him file a different kind of report because he got robbed, his ATM card was taken, this would happen. Well, really what he had done is he hooked up with some hookers and their, and their pimp and hung out. And they used his card to buy the chicken that they were eating and he was hanging out and having a good time until he ran out of money. And then he got rolled. His wife didn't know that. I learned that by sitting there listening to the chief's talk. And they were saying, this is when they did the further investigation. This is what the story was about. This is many, many years ago. So I'm not, uh, you know, I don't know names or anything, but I'm just telling you. And I read that story because it's like, at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is so sad, this poor man. But then it was like, but something, something don't sound right. Something don't sound right. And then I'm sitting there listening. It's like, yeah, well, you know, because he lied. He lied. And I tried to lie. Lie to me? Because she's just totally deceived. Well, no, not really. It's not deception. It's just the, it's just a misunderstanding. No, it's deception. Well, I don't see it that way. Well, of course you don't. But when you get the eyes to see, you go, oh, Lord, I'm so much like King Saul. I did not know this. Not the good part of him. But the downfall. Why would God expose that? So that I don't fall. That's a whole big story. And you'll hear about it sometime. But not why it's in process. Okay. Let me finish up. <laughs> he said that we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Our parents corrected us for the short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them. And sometimes it wasn't so good. We get that, all right? But God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share his holiness. Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. Yet later, it will produce a transformation of character. 
bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. So Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, despised the cross, or, or um, endured the cross, despised the shame. And then it says here, discipline, he was disciplined. And so it was more pain than pleasure for him. Why? But it brought about that transformation of character and it brought for him and for us a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. That's the kingdom. The joy, the righteousness, the peace. It's all in that passage. This is what the Lord wants to do. This is what the kingdom is about. The, king, the thing is, is that the kingdom message cannot be embraced unless it is embraced. You cannot save your kingdom and do something else. You cannot, our apostle told us last night that she constantly has joy. And I'll tell you, when she was talking about Sherlock Holmes, that was really a Saturday. Saturdays it would be like you hear this on the door. And we go and answer it. I don't know why we just answer the door. Sometimes we might look through. I don't know if we look through peacoat, peacoat or not. But we'd open the door, and it would be two police officers standing there. And they go, hi, we're looking for BJ. See, she worked in the industry. She worked in the state hospitals. So some of the times in dealing with patients and stuff, they solved the police officers. Okay. So <laughs> I don't know if she knew them from work or just whatever it was, but they would have the warrant for her. And so it wasn't that, you know, it was a warrant because she didn't show up for court. She didn't show up for her uh, tickets or whatever it was. You know, these were not drug offenses or anything like that or she wouldn't have been home on Monday. But um, they would come over and she is sitting, she didn't give you the whole story, so I will. She's sitting up in her big Niagara bed, which is off the ground, okay? And, um, and so what she would be doing is sitting in the middle of the bed with her remote control. She has her bathrobe on, the one we call the battle robe. And she's sitting there in the middle of the bed watching Sherlock Holmes. Now, we, this house that we lived in, it had two small rooms when we first moved into it. There were two bedrooms side by side. So we tore down the wall because it wasn't a, um, what do you call it, a, 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 a load-bearing wall. So we were able to, it was just cheap wood paneling. This is, you know. So we, tear the, we tore, she tore it down. We just took it out. So that the one room became two rooms. So her bedroom got expanded. It was two rooms. So she had two bedroom doors. We and we entered the one at the end, at the beginning of the hallway. The second door was all the way down at the end because those rooms had been side by side. So we would go to the first door. I hope you catch what I'm saying. So you go come through the front door, right? You open the door and they step right into the hallway. So what this house had was two halls. If you first came in the house and made a right turn, then it, it was supposed to be two bedrooms and a bathroom, and then a door at the opposite, uh, let me say this again, come in the door, just so you see it, you step in the front door, make a right turn. There is a door right there that used to be a second bedroom. Then you go further down to the end of the hallway, and there is a second door on the right-hand side. Both of those doors led to my mom's bedroom. There was another door directly across from her. That was one of two doors that led to my brother's room. Because his was the only room that we could go all the way around the house. We just we used to run when we were getting in trouble. We run through his room, you know, <laughs> all the way around. So it was a full circle. Um, and then there was a bathroom on that side. So down that hall, one bedroom, two bedrooms, the, sec the third bedroom, and a bathroom. And that was all in that one hall. You come further into the house, all the way down, there's a second hallway, you turn to right, and it's the same thing. 
only on this one, the same bathrooms are back to back. And then there's two bedrooms, my sister's room and my room, and then that other door that led to my brother's room. So his was the connecting room, okay? So having said all that, the police come through the door and they make the right turn and we stop at the first door and then you look in and all the way at the end is my mom in her big bed. Because we came in on the television side with the bed is on the other end. And so they stand there and say, hey BJ, because that's what they called her. You know, like we came to get you. She's like, can I finish watching Sherlock Holmes? Sure. And they watch Sherlock Holmes. She get dressed, they come out in the hallway we're, I'm washing dishes because that was my chore. And we're doing whatever our Saturday chores are. And she come out, she's dressed, the police officers are waiting for her. And she say, I'll be back Monday. We say, okay. <laughs> it was normal. She wasn't, you know, it wasn't criminal. It was, again, failure to appear. And they would execute the warrant. And there you go. So she'd be gone for those two days to satisfy the contempt of court charge or whatever. And she'd handle whatever the business was. We have no clue. To this day, I don't know. Because my mom, every couple of months or so, would go to jail on a Saturday. But otherwise, she'd watch Sherlock Holmes and tell us what to do. And she had a bell. She did. Couldn't stand it. Crystal little That was for the servants, the children. And so we would say the parent is calling and we would go. I got all kinds of stories y'all don't know. <laughs> that had nothing whatsoever to do with anything else but I just wanted to give you that side of the story. But it was, I, my childhood was, I loved it. It was great. Okay, she's still disciplined. We couldn't say I'm going to jail for the weekend. Okay, that, that was not going to be acceptable. Okay, it was just what it was. She's tired, she worked, whatever, I forgot about it, whatever, you know, it was what it was. And so that was it. And that was only during that period of our lives. I don't recall her ever going again until much later, okay? So um, here's the point. <laughs> There's a point, let's, let's rescue this now, okay? Jesus came. And this Bible tells us that God has requirements for living in his kingdom. Growing up in... We had no doubts our mother would come home. We had no doubt our mom was in charge whether she was in the house or not. That house still ran the way she wanted it to run. We did not change the rules just because we couldn't see her. She was the king. The way she set the house up is the way the house went. We did not try to change it. We obeyed. Did we break rules? You better believe it. We were kids. We were, and I was probably the dumbest of them all, okay? And because I thought I was so smart, but I wasn't. But overall, <laughs> it was her domain. Her rules and so forth, okay? That's on that earth-cursed life basis. The things we did and expected in the earth are not how we live in the kingdom. He is the king. And it goes the way he says it does. Because he has the plan. He gives us glimpses of his vision. 
Because when people tell you, I got a vision, God's given me a vision for this ministry, God's given me a vision for this, we don't have the whole picture. Paul said we see in a glass darkly, but one day we'll see. Well, the more we pursue the king, the better our view. But the starting rule, this is your Kingdom 101 lesson, is that the king establishes the, the uh, parameters for our obedience. Our job is to obey him. Not without him, but with the spirit, his Holy Spirit, that he sent here to guide us, the governor, to teach us how to obey. My recommendation is stop trying to obey God on your terms. Because I am a witness that it's not a good idea. And it leads to disasters and delay of, of manifestation of destiny. It leads to delay because we've changed what God said to fit what we want or what we the way we think it should be. And therefore, we do not hear him. And it needs to stop. So you are to do your homework is to take, you can look it up in a Bible app or whatever you want to do, but you find Hebrews chapter 12. I say the Passion Translation because that scripture there, verses one, uh, verses 1 and 2, where he tells us that it is time to let go of the wounds that pierce you. <laughs> and you're going to work on letting go. And it is not some boring story, uh, the same story that we always tell. That gets boring because people are like, oh, I already know how this is and you didn't change. It's true. 12, verse 1. It's really it. He said, let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. You probably know what the sin is, but I would say verify with Holy Spirit because it's probably something connected to it. It's not just the sin, but it's lash. And as we do this, we position ourselves to start hearing more clearly. And it ceases to just be, I had a vision and God showed me and I saw. And it starts to be authentic. Instead of just the wonderful things that our imagination brings. I'm not dissing or dismissing anybody's imagination. I'm saying there's more. There's the God peace that brings what we imagined into the earth to manifest, to be seen by more than just us. But we have to obey him. And our degree of obedience has been very mediocre. It's been on our terms, most of it. I'm not telling you that there's never been a day that you obeyed, that you, that, you know, you've never had a day where you obeyed the Lord. I'm not qualified to say anything of that sort. But I can tell you by the absence of fruit in the basket that none of us have done it to the degree that the world and we in this body are about to see. So I'm challenging us to be obedient on his terms and to give up the sin of being obedient to God on our own terms. Yay! Yeah! Oh, I'm for it. Oh, this is great. What a fabulous idea. Wow. Oh, Pastor Lancey, that's amazing. Why, oh, yes. <laughs> I, 
I just say it myself, it's not one of you. <laughs> it is a great idea. It's, it's, it's a God idea. It's the thing that's opening because he's telling us every morning. He's telling us on Sundays. He's telling us on Tuesdays. He's telling us on Wednesdays. And he's telling us through other people. This is your time, Astounding Love at Church Fellowship. This is your time, More Than Enough Ministries. This is your time. You're coming off the wall. This is it. And so this is what's required to move from being the 12 that simply stumbled around following Jesus to the 11 plus 1 that did the things that got them killed ultimately because of how they followed it. I'm not telling you it's going to kill you, but it's going to destroy the things in our lives that have been destroying our, our pursuit of destiny or, or, or our fulfillment of destiny. The power is in our mouths. He says change, change. He says laugh, laugh. He says smile, smile. He says give, give. He says run, run. He says drop it, drop it. I believe we've all had a taste, but it has to become something that we're so that to, that we live according to his taste. And that we no longer say that the things of God are not to our taste. But now we make that transition that says the things of the world are not to my taste. But the kingdom, it satisfies my palate. And that's all I have to say tonight. Amen. Godzuki. Godzuki. Frederick said, I'm just going to read his comments. I don't know what I was saying in response, but... Frederick says, oh God, I'm falling in love. And then he said, yes it is. And he said, God, Zuki. <laughs> it is powerful. I agree, yay. <laughs> I missed the God, Zuki. <laughs> okay, hey, guys that are uh, joining in. Yeah, peeps, men, women, boys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, brothers, sisters, family that have joined us on Periscope, on the phone, uh, on Twitter, wherever you happen to be. This message is necessary because the wounds that have been piercing your soul, it's time for them to go. Remove the thorns, remove the, the obstacles. How do I do it? You're going to talk to Holy Spirit. <clears throat> what else are you going to do? You're going to read this word. And as you read it, as I said, it's the Passion Translation, Hebrews chapter 12, verse, really it's verse 1. Verses 1 and 2, though, I said, or just read through it. But where you see something, where there's an instruction, he says, hey, let go of those things. And you're saying, I don't know how to let go. That's where Holy Spirit comes in. Because you don't know how to let go, but he knows how. And so you say to him, would you guide me? I submit to this word. That's what you're saying. I submit to this word. I'm going to do what you want. Now, when you get that feeling about whatever that offense is or whatever that thing do uh, you know whatever that thing is because it's gonna rise do not argue with him and tell him that's not it he's smarter than you he's smarter than all of us all right do not argue with him simply say okay I see it and I can feel my resistance wanting to hold on to it which is a very clear indicator that that sin has hold on you and it's time for you to master it. 
Holy Spirit doesn't just show up as Holy Spirit. He shows up as the power of the kingdom. Come to execute your deliverance in that moment. That when you open your mouth and say, I submit to this, I am letting this thing go. That the power of the Spirit of God, the power of grace and truth will move in, cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and bring you to a place where you are forgiven. You have to take that forgiveness. Say, you know what? He said I'm forgiven. Forget about that. All of that. You don't know what I've done stuff. He said I was forgiven. And if anybody was an eyewitness to my mess, it has been God. Okay? So I don't know what you've done, but God knows. And he's still saying, I still came to deliver. I still came to forgive. I still came to cleanse. I still came to transform your life. Now, if that's what you want, then you take it. And tune in on Sunday for Biblical Solutions for Life when our Dr. Baker, our apostle, will be leading us into more things about how the brain is working, how the mind of God works, and why it is so important in this time to go ahead and switch all the way into kingdom. It's 100% gung-ho for the rest of my life and all eternity so that you can be victorious and the promises of God uh, will start to bloom all around you. They'll be visible, not just something that you wished with two fingers and eyes crossed that it would come, because that's never going to work, okay? So that's what we have to say. We're getting ready to receive God's tithe and offerings, and uh, we're going to speak our, our confession. Uh, not, it's not a confession. We're going to make our declaration and our decree over the, over the, the seeds that have come. We're going to speak to those things and tell them to grow, because when we tell it, it listens. That's a clue, all right? If you want to join in on the giving, then go to www.astoundinglove.org and hit that donate button. If you want to make comments and you want them to be heard as opposed to just typing them on the screen in Periscope, then go to that same website and click on the button that says contact us. The website's going to change shortly, but in the meantime, just do that or call 408 945-4439 and leave a message and our beautiful, delightful Crystal uh, Kemp will call you back. I, Dr. Baker calls her Crystal Light. So she will call you back within that 24-hour period, I believe it is, and you'll have a real-life person. And the last thing you can do if you're in the local San Jose area is come to 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard in San Jose. At nine, the zip code is 95131. We're at the corner of Trade Zone and Ringwood Avenue. And you can come and join us at 945 for Biblical Solutions for Life. And the second one that starts at 1130. No, 1145. Yeah, ends at 1130, starts at 1145. So those are the things that I have to say to those of you that joined us until we say our bye-byes in a minute. Y'all ready? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Oh, baby Godzilla's name was Godzuki. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Frederick. Godzuki, who knew? Frederick did. Okay. I wasn't the only one to watch that. Uh, please, please promise me that when somebody asks, if somebody asks, well, how was Wednesday? Well, we talked about Godzilla. Zilla and Zuki. That's what I'm calling them, Zilla and Zuki. Okay.
Anyway, because we seek the kingdom of God first. Because we seek the kingdom of God first. We laugh a lot. We laugh a lot. We have the joy. We have the joy. The righteousness. The righteousness. And the peace. And the peace. That comes only from the kingdom. That comes only from the kingdom. Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Father. Wow. Because we seek the kingdom of God first. Because we seek the kingdom of God first. We're tithers. We're tithers. We're sowers. We're sowers. We're givers. We're givers. And the windows of heaven open to us. And the windows of heaven are open to us. And we get to see that. And we get to see that. Wow. Wow. And just like the rain falls from the sky. And just like the rain falls from the sky. So do the blessings of the Lord. So do the blessings of the Lord. Come through those open windows. Come through those open windows. And so, tonight, and so tonight, we choose to be receivers, receivers of the promised blessings, the promised blessings and, the abundant harvest and the abundant harvest that our God, that our God has promised to us. Promised to us. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. We're blessed with material wealth. We're blessed with material wealth. We're blessed with the jobs. We're blessed with the jobs. The businesses. businesses, All of the things things that position us us to be able to give and to sow sow big seed seed and seeds that are greater greater than our actual income. income. Mm -hmm. See that? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we're passed through, you know? gives $100,000 or $250,000 and we're thinking, wow, what I could do with that. But I want you to start thinking seed-minded. When he gives a big seed into your hand, it's because he wants you and I to receive a greater harvest than our regular seeds will get. So that $1,000 beyond what you typically do, or that one hundred, that the ten thousand dollars, or that one hundred thousand, or whatever the amount. And I always say one or t- uh, the one in front of me, or the fives, or whatever the number. The day that you, that comes into your hand, and you have the choice between doing this or doing what He says. Understand that God is never; He's never in need of the money, but we are in need of the harvest. This is what it means to be seed minded. And, and, and to, to, to be able to start receiving. And it will start to, uh, to rid any thought towards scarcity. When that amount comes into our hands and we say, give me seed to sow. I'm not talking about the money that pays for your rent or your house payment or stuff like that. But there's something that's beyond that. You look at that thing, that $10,000. i am going to just, I'm going to use $10,000 as the number. You look at that 10000 and you think about the fact that it actually does nothing. It won't buy the car that you want. It won't buy the house that you want. It might buy you some clothes, but it won't give you the trip, the vacations that you want to take. It's not enough to do things because you've all, we've all been, um, we've all been eating so richly. We want bigger things than ten thousand dollars. This is not for a trip to the Dollar Tree. Am I right? That, that, that these are the people I'm talking about, y'all high-end folks? But what it will do, when it's planted in the soil of the kingdom, is it will bring about a return. 
I'm seed. It will free you. It's going to break off whatever bands have been around your thinking. That you are a sower. Because uh, most of us have given at least a thousand, and some have probably given up to ten thousand. But, but it puts you and I in a spiritual place where, where you see that our, our expansion of our ability to believe that the bigger and the greater starts to come, and those amounts that return when it gets there, you will be um, seed time harvest minded. Not just harvest oriented, but let's do this again. And let's do this again. And I'm going to tell you something because we had a meeting. Uh, this is important, so I, I want to say this to you. Oh, probably about a year or so ago, we had a meeting in this room. And we were all talking about how things that we could do to progress the vision. And, 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 and we, we didn't continue with that kind of thing. But I said, and I was sitting right there, I said, I've written a book, um, which is Kingdom 101. And I said, in the first six months of the book that it sells, that I that one hundred percent of the sales will be given. Does anybody remember me saying anything like that? And I'm starting to say that to remind him now, that because it expands my faith to get the money necessary to get the book published. But when I thought about that one hundred percent, that means that I don't get, you know, I don't get any of it as a, oh yeah, I could spend this money. Why is this important? Because Holy Spirit will be the marketer of this book. And he, by that coming out of my mouth, I am positioning myself to give the biggest seed I've ever given in my life. I have no doubt whatsoever this book is a hit. Because I'm a great writer? No. Because of what he can do through it. And that means that every sale that comes, whether it's through Amazon or whatever it is, they send me the royalty check. And then somebody was like, why would you get the check? Because I get the privilege of planting the seed. Oh my God. It means every time I see it, it's a $1,000 royalty check, a $1,500, a $20,000 royalty check. Be looking what you could do. I am planting seeds that are greater, this is many times, than my actual income. And being positioned in the spirit to be a, 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 a recipient of a greater harvest that I will be building a trust in the, in the spirit realm. You can put it in her hands because they're not sticky. They're fluid. It will increase my ability to believe that he meets my needs and upgrades my life and that I don't have to be the one to try to do it. And so I'm releasing that to you because we seek the kingdom of God first. That this is the mentality that we are acquiring. The mind of Christ who gave all and gets much, much more than what it appeared that he was getting. Kingdom harvest. Because we seek the kingdom of God first.
Because we seek the kingdom of God first. Our harvest, Our harvest is a return, is a return on the kingdom level. On a kingdom level. And baby, that means that everything changes. You understand? So we speak to the ministering spirits. We speak to the ministering spirits. And we release you to go. And we release you to go. And get our harvest. And get our harvest. Because we've got seed to sow. Because we've got seed to sow. Can you receive that? Can I anybody see what that. I'm saying? Yeah. Now I'm putting it out there because uh, now I'm committing myself to believe and to, and to do what changes I've got to do so this book can, can come out. Because I've got seed to sow and any disobedience delays my ability to gather the harvest that he wants. So we thank you, Father, that those, those are the things that we say. And that there's a blessing that is released on the seeds that are sown in the trades that are made for this today, whether the trades are made tonight or you do them online or whatever it is, all the way up to Sunday. This is an open thing that you trade on this. You trade on that. I want this mentality. I want this, this, I want that vision. And I want that number, whatever that number is for this seed that I'm going to sow that op starts opening me up. To, to, to give more and to get to that place where this giving becomes a joy and not a chore. Where it doesn't, it's no longer an obligation from an old religious thing. But this is something where I'm literally running to get the seeds planted because God's got a harvest and there's more seed to plant and more harvest to receive. And this opens up those ministries and all of the things that, that are to take place. You understand? So you trade on this all week. You trade on this because you want the revelation and so that the trade is a trade that you're making with a pure expectation of a speedy response, a swift response. So I bless the offerings tonight. I speak over those things, over the trades. And we release the, the, the apostles' uh, anointing and, and what you have put on her heart for this ministry, that we uh, release our agreement with her for that return to happen. And Father, we praise you and we thank you for it. I thank you. I thank you for what you've spoken to us and, 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 uh, and in us tonight. And for those that are gathered uh, together on the electronic media congregation as well. And so I say to you again, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. The Lord does bless you. The Lord does keep you. He does. He really does. And the Lord causes his face to shine upon you. And the Lord gives you his peace. So take it. He wants you to have it. I'm Pastor Lindsay Lee. It was my honor to bring you into some of the mysteries of Kingdom 101 and debunk a lot of myths. We love you so much. And we bless you with God's astounding love. And we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>